Yes, thank you, Lori and Clara, for starting our service off like that. Very beautiful. Good morning, and welcome, everyone. Good to see you all here this morning. Welcome to any guests that we might have this morning. We're glad that you've joined us, as well as any who might be watching our service later this week. We're glad also that you have joined us today. Today is the third Sunday of Advent, and your bulletin says it's the second Advent, but that was a typo, so it is actually the third Sunday of Advent, and it's hard to believe that we're already till the third Sunday, but we are. The Advent season is a wonderful season, and the word Advent means coming in Latin, and this is the coming of Jesus into the world. Christians use the four Sundays of Advent in their preparations for Christmas. So for an opening scripture this morning, I'd like to read a few verses from Micah. And I only realized after I chose these verses that uh, the uh, scripture readings in the bulletin for this week uh, cover the book of Micah. There are seven chapters in Micah, and, and that's the reading for this week. So I'd like to read from... Uh, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, and then verse 4, and then the first part of verse 5. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And then verse 5, and he will be their peace. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you are God eternal. You have always been and will always be. We thank you for your son Jesus, who left the glories of heaven and entered this world as a baby, and by his life and death brought us peace. Thank you, God, for this Advent season, and we ask that you would help each of us as we prepare for Christmas and as we prepare our hearts in celebration of his birth. Help us to keep Jesus at the focus of our celebrations. Fathers, we have gathered to worship you this morning. We welcome your presence. We ask your blessing on our service. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'll ask the ladies to lead us in some singing. Good morning. We'll start with O Come All Ye Faithful. And then we'll sing To us a child of hope is born. So it's a little different than in your bulletin. So the first three verses of O Come All You Faithful. Please stand with us.
can be seated for the next song. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And we'll sing verses 1, 3, 4, and 5. Verse 14 to 20. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your head hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival, so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast. And I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you in at the time when I gather you together. For I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Isaiah 12, verse 2 to 6. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. 
and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Luke 3, verse 7 to 18. He said, Therefore to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hands to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire, so that many other exhortations he preached good news to the people. Will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, thank you for the declarations of the prophets that announce your goodwill toward your people. Thank you for the promise of deliverance for everyone who believes in you. Thank you that in the end we will have victory over our enemies. Thank you, Father that you sent your Son to save the righteousness and judge the wicked, that we should never again fear evil. We will shout and sing for joy, for great in our midst is the Holy One of Israel. Thank you that Jesus came in the flesh, that he died for us and gave us eternal life. Hallowed be your name. Amen. This morning we are having we are having a deacon commissioning service, and Dennis is going to be commissioned as a deacon. In the first, the first time that the deacons are really, or the role of the deacons are mentioned in the scriptures, is found in Acts chapter six, verses one through seven. Let me read the first four verses. In those days when the number of the disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebrew Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of, the whole, uh, full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Yes, there is a role, an important role that the deacons play. At this time, I'm going to call Dennis and Debbie forward. Dennis will be commissioned as a deacon, and Debbie will support and assist Dennis as they minister together. You are being called to the ministry of deacons found in Acts chapter 6, 1 through 7. To servanthood. You are called to visit those in need and the elderly, to share God's word, and to pray with them according to James chapter 5, verses 14 and to 16. To prepare the elements of the communion table and, the, and to distribution to the believers. And fourth, to guard the church's unity, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Supporting the decisions passed by the church council and leadership and the decision passed by the church membership. Therefore, as you converse with the membership, you need to speak encouragement and unity.
The overall purpose of the mission and the deacons are to support the pastors and the lay ministers in ministering to the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual needs within the congregation. Dennis, would you please answer the following questions to indicate that you are willing and ready to serve as a deacon? Will you be faithful to God's word and and the winkler Burktaller Mennonite Church Constitution and the Statement of Faith? If so, answer, I will. Will you encourage and support the pastors and come alongside of them to minister to the sick, assist in baptism, and prepare elements for communion so that the pastors may fulfill their responsibility? If so, answer, I will. Will you assist individuals and families where spiritual and or physical needs are present? Will you also participate in the visitation program as determined by the ministerial? If so, answer, I will. I will. Will you guard the church's unity, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4? By supporting the deacon, by supporting the decisions passed by the church council and the membership? If so, answer, I will. I will. Debbie, will you support your husband with prayer and with encouragement and assist him in visitation where possible so that he will be able to fulfill his role as a deacon? If so, answer, I will. I will. As lead pastor of the Winkler Burktaller Mennonite Church, which belongs to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the leadership and the congregation affirm and place you in the role as a deacon. At this time, I'm going to call the ministerial chair and also the chair of the deacons to come up and participate in the prayers and the prayers of commissioning. Usually we have members of council and the rest of the ministerial join. But because of COVID restrictions, we are keeping a low profile. Will you, the congregation, at this time, stand in support as we pray for both Dennis and Debbie? Bill will first lead in prayer, Jake will follow, and then I will close in prayer. Please bow with me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise in inspiring Dennis to respond to the call to serve as deacon for this congregation of your church. We also give you thanks for Debbie for her commitment to support and partner with Dennis in this undertaking. We pray that you guide and strengthen them in this work for your kingdom. We pray that they be blessed and their work be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love and your grace. And Lord, we thank you for your church, that we can come and and gather here and to worship and praise your holy name. Lord, we just thank you for the calling you did on Dennis, and um, we pray, Lord, that you would you would bless them and you would watch over them. And I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would come and indwell them and give them peace and love and joy, and also wisdom and guidance as they serve your church, Lord, and we pray that you will be honored and glorified, and we also pray that you will bless Dennis and Debbie as they serve and are willing to serve. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for Dennis and Debbie. Thank you for their faithfulness to the church over the years and unto you. Thank you that they work together as a team. They both love you with a full heart. Heavenly Father, thank you that Dennis says yes, has says yes to serving you as a deacon. And Debbie is coming alongside to support him and also to do visitation and to help encourage and pray and to do whatever it takes to be alongside of her husband. I pray now, Lord, that you would empower them with your spirit 
to give of themselves to furtherance of the kingdom of God and to minister to the church. I pray that your hand would be upon them. Give them your grace, your mercy, your power to sustain them and to do the calling that they are called to do. For this we all pray in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Dennis and Debbie, for being available to serve in this important position of ministry. May the Lord richly bless both of you. So we'll just uh, look at a few announcements in the bulletin. Under this week at Winkler Burkteller, take note of those items that pertain to you. Uh, the Wednesday afternoon Bible study uh, is pending. Uh, so Pastor Victor will, for those of you who take part in that, Pastor Victor will send out an email confirming whether there will or will not be a, a Bible study that day. And along with that, uh, further down on page 2, the, the ladies and men's Sunday school uh, will not happen today. Under persons with health needs, um, Nick Friesen was released from the hospital on Friday, so we're pleased about that, and we wish him well in his recovery. Uh, Olga Friesen, Mary Hildebrand, T- Diedrich Martins, and Peter Thiessen are Peter Thiessen are still in Boundary Trails, so let's continue to remember them and their families. Preston and Myra Wheeler are missionaries of the week. And I have uh, several expressions of sympathy that I'd like to read. John G. H. Dick passed away on Saturday, December the 4th, and he was the husband to Betty and a brother to Peter and Tina Dick. Jake Fair passed away on December the 5th. Now, there's a typo in your bulletin. The bulletin says November, but it should be December 5th. A private family service was held, and he was a brother-in-law to Mary Miller. And then one that's not in your bulletin, Harry Brown passed away on Wednesday, and he was a brother to Bill and Jane Brown, Ed and Trudy Brown, and also Margaret Brown. So let's continue to remember each of these families. There's a note of thanks from Irene Cron after the passing of her mother-in-law, And uh, I will ask the ushers to come forward if you're ready. And uh, as they come forward, um, just look at the announcement on the middle of page 3, church planning sessions. So we have uh, dates and times now listed. So we're planning to do it over three days. Uh, Thursday, January 27th from 7 to 10, Friday from 7 to 10, and then the Saturday from 9 to 4. The whole session is about 12 hours. And uh, there is no cost for any of you who would like to participate. Uh, You're welcome to come. Um, We invite all active church members, frequent regular attenders, to come and participate. And there are sign-up sheets in the side foyer here where you can sign up. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you and thank you again for loving us so much that you were willing to send your son to be born as a baby, to live for a time on earth, and then take the burden of our sins to the cross so that we could receive your forgiveness. Lord, we deserve nothing, but you have given us so much. We pray that you would continue to guide us as a church, not only in our daily and weekly activities, but also as we prepare for and participate in our upcoming church planning sessions. And God, we ask that you would grant wisdom for decisions that will be made as a result of those sessions. We ask, Lord, for your hand of healing on those who are dealing with health concerns. And we pray for Olga Friesen, Mary Hildebrand, Diedrich Martins, Peter Thiessen and Boundary Trails. As well, Lord, we pray for those who are dealing with health concerns at home, and we ask your healing hand out upon each one. We ask for your comfort and strength for those families that have lost a loved one. 
We pray this for Betty Dick and her family, as well as for the families of Jake Fair and Harry Brown. And Lord, we know there are others from our congregation and our community who are dealing with loss and are grieving. Lord, may each one know your peace and comfort during this time. God, we thank you for our missionaries who've gone out to serve, and today we pray for Preston and Myra, and thank you for how you have blessed their ministry despite the effects that COVID has had on travel. And we ask that you would continue to bless their conversations and their ministry. And Lord, we think also of those from our congregation who are in care homes. And we thank you for the excellent care homes that we have in our communities. We pray for the residents and the staff, and we ask that you would grant them patience and also joy as they go about their day-to-day activities while having to deal with changes as a result of COVID. Lord, as Pastor Dean brings us the message this morning, we ask that you give him the words to speak and give us open hearts to hear what you have for us today. And now as we give our offerings, we thank you, Lord, for material blessings. Help us to give with joy, and may these gifts be used to further your work. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please join us as we sing, Look to the Skies.
morning's scripture reading is 1 Peter 4, verse 12 to 19. Beloved, do not think it is strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of your but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come, your judgment to begin at the house of God, and if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him, in doing good as to a faithful creator. We often think of all the exciting and wonderful things that happened that that first Christmas. Here are some of them. The birth of the Christ child, God becoming man, Emmanuel meaning God with us. Mary chosen to be the mother of the Savior, Joseph to be the representing earthly father, Zachariah's encounter with an, in, with an angel who tells him that his wife Elizabeth, in her old age, would become pregnant and give birth to the one who would prepare the way of the Lord. The birth of the king himself in a stable, laid in a manger, an angel appearing to lowly shepherds, inviting them to come and see the Savior, a company of hosts of angels appearing and praising God, and wise men traveling from the east to bring the baby King Jesus gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. However, we often do not see the trials, the hardships, and the difficulties of all those who were who participated and who were part of the birth of Jesus. For example, when Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant, not knowing that this happened through the Holy Spirit, he thinks that Mary had committed adultery because she had been betrothed to him. It can be sure that he that this grieved him deeply, and he probably did not know which way to turn until God revealed to him that indeed the child she was bearing was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Later on, as Mary was close to giving birth, she and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem for a census. It was a challenging time for Mary as she rode on the donkey. Every step was a bumpy one as they rode across the rough, rugged terrain. When they finally reached their destination, there was no room for them in the end, in the inn. Instead, they had to go to a stable that was for cattle. In the cold, dark, smelly animal shelter, Mary gave birth to the Savior of the world. How unfitting for the King of Kings, who would be Lord of Lords, who and who is also creator of everything, to be born in a stable. Finally, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and told him to get up and take the child and his mother to Egypt because Herod would seek seek to kill the child. Once again, they were on the move, but now they were fleeing for their life and the life of their child. Yes, there was great joy and celebration at the birth of Jesus. But those were only part because there was also great difficulties and trials that came along to everybody who participated and were the participants that day. When we look at the life of Christ, his life was filled with trials, hardships, and attacks from the evil ones. 
Jesus said to his disciples and followers in, in John chapter 15, verse 20, Remember the words I spoke to you, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. This morning, we want to continue our message series in First Peter entitled The Overflowing Provisions of God's Grace. That's the theme of First Peter. So take your Bibles and turn with me once again to First Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. That's the portion, of course, that Jay read for us. I've entitled this message, Experiencing God's Grace in Fiery Trials. Experiencing God's grace in fiery trials. Bow your heads with me as we come before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we pause before you to realize that first Christmas was a special Christmas. And yet it was not void with trials. And there was difficulties along the way. Even Satan wanted to kill the baby Jesus. And of course, Lord, that did not happen because... Their faith was in you. I pray, Father, that you would give us new understanding to understand how in the midst of fiery trials, you provide grace each step of the way. I pray now that you'd open the word for us so we can understand, we can learn, and we can apply to our lives what we learn. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Experiencing God's God's grace in fiery trials, number one, don't be surprised by fiery trials, verse 12. Don't be surprised. Often we are surprised when trials come our way. When we go through hard times, especially when our faith is tested and we suffer, we tend to be surprised and even shocked that this would happen. Peter writes to these early believers, verse 12, once again, that we look at, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trials you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. The NIV translates the Greek word perosis as painful trials. Now, the New American Standard Version, the English Standard Version, and the King James Version translate perosis as fiery trials and fiery ordeal, which I believe is more accurate. The New American Standard Hebrew, Hebrew Ameri, uh, and Greek dictionaries translate perosi as burning, hence meaning a refining time, and a burning and fiery ordeal. Close quote. So here's the background to what was happening to this body of believers that was scattered across Asia Minor. The background was happening at this time. This is what was happening. Nero was the emperor of Rome. And when Rome burned, the Christians were blamed for this. Thus, some of the early believers were covered with pitch and were burned at night to light the gardens. How horrible and how evil and painful this would have been. It was horrible. Peter may be using a play on words when he calls this the fiery trial or fiery ordeal. Although this was happening in Rome, it did not mean that the persecution was throughout the Roman Empire. However, Peter was warning these believers in Asia Minor that he was writing to in this letter that he had written that they also could face this type of persecution. I wonder what Joseph and Mary were feeling and thinking when the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in the dream and said, get up and take the child and his mother and head to Egypt because Herod was going to seek to kill the child. What ran through their minds? All the other problems they had 
in, in regards to the birth of Christ. And now the extra problem, the extra hardship that they had to flee for their lives and the life of the child. Yet God's grace was sufficient for them in the midst of this trial. When you and I face testing, fiery trials, and gut-wrenching ordeals, God's grace will always be sufficient for you. God will always see you through, but we have to put our faith and our trust in God. This now leads us to the second teaching on experiencing God's grace in fiery trials is that number two, he calls us to rejoice in our trials. How many times do we rejoice in our trials or our hardships when something bad has happened to us, something unfair, something horrible? Do we rejoice? And chances are most of us, we don't. We don't rejoice at that time. Listen to Peter, what he says once again. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. The question that we have to ask ourselves is this. What are the sufferings of Christ? What are the sufferings of Christ? The answer is when believers align themselves with Christ's mission, teaching and commands, and they live as Jesus did. Once again, Jesus said, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. As believers, we are called to rejoice when we go through our trials and for the reward that each believer will receive one day when we stand before the Lord. When the apostles had been flogged in Acts chapter 540 and ordered not to speak ever again in the name of Jesus, they were then let go. But verse 41 tells us this. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. When we love Jesus, we will count it joy when we suffer for Christ. We will count it joy But I don't think that this will happen unless when we're going through the trial that we say to God, give me the grace and strength to go through this and to still have love for those who are bringing the trial. However, there is more to this. When we have suffered Christ, we will be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. One day he is coming back. Second Timothy 2.12 tells us, if we endure, we will also reign with him. We will reign with Christ. That is part of the reward of everyone who has suffered for Christ and remains faithful as they go through the fiery trials and the testings for Christ's sake. Peter says then in um, chapter 4, verse 14, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory, for the spirit of glory and God rests on you. Peter understood that Christians were being put to death for their faith in some places in the Roman Empire as he writes this letter. However, it appears here that the persecution in Asia Minor had not yet reached the point of them shedding their blood. However, these followers were being insulted, insulted because they were following Jesus Christ and they had their allegiance to Jesus Peter understood that Christians needed to focus on Christ. Whenever you suffer for Christ, it is a privilege, not a a curse. And sometimes we think it is a curse. To be identified with Christ is a blessing because it demonstrates to others that we are a child of God and that God is with us and that God is working with us and walking with us through the ordeal that we are going through. 
Now, this leads us to Peter's third teaching on experiencing God's grace in trials. Number three, don't be ashamed in trials. Don't be ashamed in trials. Verses 15 through 17. The primary type of suffering Peter is speaking about in these verses is suffering because of your allegiance to Jesus Christ. In other words, you are standing for him. You are walking with him. Therefore, we have nothing to be ashamed for when we are suffering for the cause of Christ. Peter says in verse 15, If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. Since we all have this sinful nature, you and I and the next person who is sitting next to you and every other believer on the face of this earth we are tempted sometimes to retaliate against those who are causing fiery trials in our lives. If you notice in verse 15, the first two sins that are mentioned are crimes in society as well as sins against God. As believers, we should never suffer for being a murderer or a thief, no matter how severe the persecution may be. In other words, we should not... Um, fight back by doing the things that we as believers are not called to do. As believers, we should never suffer for being a murderer or a thief, no matter how severe it may be. He, Peter, is not saying that any of these believers are sinning in this way. He's not saying that. He is just instructing them that this type of lifestyle ought not to be part of the Christian life. We should not be trying to give retribution to those who are causing us to go through suffering. In verse 16, Peter says, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that Name. Praise God that you bear that name. To be a Christian means to be a follower of Christ. Yet the word Christian only appears in the New Testament three times. Here in, ver- in this particular verse, then in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, where Christians were first called Christians and Antioch, and then in Acts chapter 26, verse 28, where Peter, where Paul stood before King Agrippa, Agrippa. And there he spoke to him. And King Agrippa had said, What do you think? Are you going to convince me in so short a time to become a Christian? Therefore, if we suffer because we live like Christ, we should never be ashamed of him. The apostles were never ashamed of Christ. The early believers were never ashamed of Christ. And when they suffered, they took that as a badge because they were suffering for Jesus and his cause. This now leads us to the fourth teaching on experience God's grace in fiery trials. Number four, look for an opportunity to share the gospel in trials, in our trials. Look for an opportunity to share the gospel in our trials. Verse 17, for it is time for the judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? To understand these verses, we must see that the fiery trials these believers faced were not because they were sinning, but rather because of their faith in Christ. If you look at the whole portion of Scripture, they are facing this because of their allegiance to Jesus. They are doing what is right and what they are called to do. All testings and trials are meant for the refining of the believer. Although we might hate this and detest this at this time, although this may be painful beyond imagination, we know the outcome. 
First, God will give us the grace to go through it because God has said he will. Second, we will become more Christ-like because without trials, it's impossible to become like Christ. It's like trying to have patience. But if your patience is never tried, you never will build patience and you'll never be able to depend upon the Lord when you need the patience. Third, there will be great rewards for every believer who stands before the Lord one day. Each one of us is going to stand the Lord before the Lord one day. We'll give an account to him. You're not going to give account to anybody else in the church or any of your relatives or any of your friends or anyone else. They have nothing to do. You will stand bare before the Lord. You will give an account, and there will be rewards that are also offered. Your salvation has been bought and paid for. Now what is examined, what you have done for Jesus Christ, and rewards will be given on that now the con- now here's the contrast. If the believer's suffer, suffering is so severe, what will it be like for those who are non-believers and do not obey the gospel? What will it be like for them? It will be horrible and they will suffer the wrath of God. The question is, what is our response to those who do not know the Lord? What is our response to them? Of course, the answer is that we have to share the gospel with them. That's why we're here. That's one thing that we can't do in heaven. We can't share the gospel with anybody else in heaven because all the people have been redeemed there. But we have a mission, and the people down here are friends, our relatives, some of them, and those around us, many of them don't know Christ. And this is our opportunity. That's why we are here. We live by an example. And so when we go through the trials and the hardships, others will pay attention on how we react to them. They'll see how we deal with it and whether we depend upon the Lord or we depend upon our own strength in order to live our lives. Richard Wurmbrandt, the founder of the Voice of Martyrs, was a Romanian Jew who came to faith in Christ under the communist regime in Romania. In his book, Tortured for Christ, he tells a story about how many times he had been beaten and imprisoned and tortured for Christ. Over and over and over again, he was beaten. One guard who saw all this taking place was so amazed by Richard's life because he remained faithful to the cause of Christ even though he was under fierce persecution and fiery persecution. He still remained true to Christ. And this allowed Richard Warmbrandt to lead that guard to Jesus Christ because this guard saw how he suffered for the Lord. Suffering has a purpose. We don't like it. I don't like it. But God has said, trust me, walk with me, and I'll use you if you suffer and depend upon me. We must remember that any time we go through trials and hardship, we, will, we can often share the gospel with others because of what we're going through. Therefore, we need to seek opportunities to share the gospel in our trials. Now we come to Peter's fifth and last teaching, experiencing God's grace in fiery trials. Number four, entrust yourself to God in trials, verse 19. Entrust yourself to God in trials. Verse 19, so then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Peter's points out that suffering as a believer is part of God's will, if you can believe that. Because many people don't want to hear that. They'd rather live and believe a prosperity gospel. 
Just do the good things and God will just overflow you with all the material things and all the good things in life. And that is not true. Peter points out that suffering as a believer is part of God's will. When this happens, the first step is to commit oneself to the faithful creator who is our heavenly father. Peter already reminded his readers in chapter 2, verse 23, what Jesus did when he was on the cross. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And there is only one who who can judge us justly, and that is God. Only God can do that. To entrust oneself to the Lord means that after you have been obedient to the Lord, that you let the Lord do his work. When you have done all that he has called you to do, you trust the Lord and you let God work. As we have all experienced sometimes in our life, at some time in our life, this is not easy. It's never easy. But God does his part in an amazing way when we trust him after we have been obedient. So here's the summary of this morning's message. First, when life is going well, we have a tendency to push God to the side and to start start living independently from him. I think we can all say we've been there at some time. Things going well. We don't have to pray as much. We don't have to come before the Lord and pour our hearts before him. Second, there is no growth without trials. There is no growth without trials. And our relationships with the Lord become superficial. Trials and hardships force us to depend upon God and to see him work in our circumstances and also in the people's circumstances around us. Third, trials are not an option for a believer. We don't say to the Lord, I don't like that part. I just want to go on to this part. When we live an obedient life and hardships come our way, God is not punishing us. Instead, he says, trust me, trust me, and I will carry you through. Trust me, and I will carry you through. Trials always allow us to draw upon his power and to focus our attention upon him, who we need to fo- where we need to focus that attention. But too often, it's upon others or upon things rather than on God himself. Today and this week, remember that the Lord is the first person you need to turn to in your fiery trials. Too often when we go through the hardships in our lives, we go to everyone else to get their support, to get their wisdom, or to get their understanding. And seldom do we go to Christ first, pour our hearts before him and mention nothing to anybody else. And that's the relationship that Jesus is desiring with us, that he is our best friend and we go to him in our time of trials and hardships. Let's turn to number 471 in the hymnal and we'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4. For God so loved us.
stand with me for the benediction? Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, and he says this, or pardon me, to the um, Thessalonians. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come and worship you. Thank you that you have called us. And Lord, help us to stand for Christ no matter what and to realize we cannot do it without your strength. I pray now in the Christmas season that we would have great joy within our hearts as we celebrate the birth of the King of Kings. And Lord, as we go into this world, help us to realize that you have called us to be an example and to share the gospel with others. I pray, Father, you would give us the strength, the wisdom, and the guidance to do your work. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. And you may go in the grace of God.